I'd like to invite you to take out your um, connection card. It's in your bulletin. It's a green and white card here. And I'll give you an opportunity just to fill that out to whatever degree you like. On the back side, there's an opportunity for you to check some boxes if it pertains to you. Uh, reach out to us, ask any questions. But uh, please spend a little bit of time on that. As you're doing that, I'll talk about announcements. We have a Young Marriage Fellowship today at 2, 2 p.m., and you can see that on the back of your bulletin. It says a single adult dinner tonight at 5 p.m. That has been canceled due to things out of my control. Um, let's see. Other things coming up. We have a Valentine's Fellowship lunch. You know, that's something I want you guys to really think about, that Valentine's Fellowship Lunch. That is really, we do that every year, and it's a really fun thing. And so it's a Valentine's uh, Friendship Lunch. So, you know, uh, come by yourself, bring a friend, you know, whatever. I don't know how they do this for sure, but uh, just read it through and check it off if you'd like to join us. We'll have some people just sharing some things there, and uh, it's, a, it's a really huge, uh, a great time. Just a fun time. Even just the opportunity of the people you sit next to and get to know, it's, it's special. And there are other things here. Oh, we have ballroom dancing lessons coming up. Man, I am not a dancer. I do not dance, people. Yeah. I have a, you know, they usually me measure vertical leaps. You know, these basketball players like Michael Jordan, he gets up like three feet or something like that. I think I'm three inches. It is just really crazy. I just can't lift my feet up very well. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing on in our study of the book of Ephesians. This is a letter. Uh, the books in the Bible, New Testament, are you, they call them epistles. They were letters written by the author to either people or churches. And so when we see the book of Ephesians in the Bible, it is a letter of Paul to the church in Ephesus. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And realize that as we're going through Ephesians, that we're reading about a lot of basic stuff in the Christian faith. And if you're fairly new to the Christian faith, you know, some of these things may sound really foreign and, and, and just kind of strange. Um, just like for, I remember when I first became a Christian, even to, to sing and to speak, hear the word love as often as it's used in the church was really kind of weird to me. I, I, I didn't talk about love that much as a kid. I, I barely remember times when I was hugged by my parents. So love was a whole brand new thing to me when I became a Christian and started to understand what the, what the Bible taught. And so, um, you know, so, so I can understand when things are new to you that are spiritual. Uh, it takes some time to get used to it and to understand what in the world is this really talking about. So understand that the writings of, of, of Paul to the church in Ephesus, a lot of it he's dealing with here is very fundamental Christianity, fundamental things that talk about the faith of the Christians in that church. So let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 5. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, 
the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Let's pray. Father, as we get into Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, we pray that you'll help us to to be able to grab on to some of this truth that he's reviewing with them. Help us, Father, to be able to understand this is not only a letter to them, but it is a letter to us. It's a letter that you had recorded and has stood the test of time to reach us here in the 21st century. So bless this time, Father, and teach us, Father, you know where our heart is, you know where our, where our mind is, you know what, how much we, we know thus far. So open our eyes, Father, to your truth. We ask this, ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what is frivolous to you? What is something, when you think of something that is just worthless, just frivolous, I mean, it's a waste of time and energy, what comes to your mind? <laughs> I'm going to discount that one. Okay. You know, how about, this is one thing that used to come to my mind, and I, I, it was bird watching. Bird watching, you know? Um, I, I don't want to offend those who watch birds, but, but when I was a kid, uh, I got my first BB gun at the age of eight. And I used to go to my uncle's farm, and I used to shoot birds. I mean, lots of birds. <laughs> but you know, but today, I would never shoot a bird. I, I really, I would never shoot a bird today. I love seeing birds. Matter of fact, I really miss seeing mockingbirds and, and blue jays and stuff that used to be more prevalent when I was growing up. You know, maybe it's cruising. Is that frivolous? Cruising means you're just driving for the sake of driving. Now, I understand that gas is more expensive now than maybe when you were younger. But, but cruising was something that, that I used to really enjoy, getting in a car and just driving when there's, what, gas was 25 cents a gallon back then? You just go and just take off and just keep on driving, and finally you say, well, it's time to head back, you know. I'd never do that today. That is frivolous to me today. That's a waste of time and money and energy. I mean, I don't, I don't drive like that. I drive from point A to point B. Only time I'd probably enjoy driving if that car were a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Then, then, you know, man, just, 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 just give me that car and I'll go. But if it's not one of those, give me a chauffeur. Yeah. See, in our text today, and our short time today, because we're going to be receiving the Lord's Supper, Paul continues to remind the church in Ephesus of what God has done, what he's done for them, and he challenges them to rethink about how life is so different now because they are believers in Jesus Christ. So we're going to see that contrast. So let's, look at, let's, re, let's go back to verses one, and three, 1 through 3, and we're going to talk about how it was to, when we were living in the darkness. Living in the darkness. Let's read them, those again. As for you, 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of, of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in work, who is now, where is that? I just lost my eyes. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. You know, what does it mean that before knowing Christ, we were dead in our transgressions? Well, let's break this down a little bit. The word transgressions literally means missteps. You know missteps? What if I was looking up here and I just walked down here? I'm probably going to have a misstep. I'm probably going to fall flat on my face. A misstep, uh, transgressions literally meant missteps. In other words, wrong living. And when we look at it from a spiritual sense, we can say a life of sin. Simply put, before believing in Jesus Christ, we were living a life of sin and we were spiritually dead to God. Now, what does it mean spiritually dead to God? Well, I have a, a condition in my back called spinal stenosis, and it has to do with uh, pinching and rubbing and friction on my spinal cord, which causes pain in one of my legs. But my other leg, you, you know how it feels when, you, when it, your leg goes asleep? It tingles? Well, my left leg tingles so bad sometimes that when I run, uh, like I run a track, I can't even feel my left foot hitting the track. And so it's really kind of dangerous sometimes. So sometimes, I don't know, uh, sometimes when I go running, I don't know how far I can run because if that is a condition that day, I, I just don't run. See, when we're spiritually dead, we're kind of like that. It just simply means you just have no feeling toward the things of God. You have no sensitivity toward the things of God. You are just... Dead. You know, when you're dead, you just aren't aware of what's going around. And God is working around us all the time. And when you are dead, you just don't see it. You just don't see it. You're not aware of God. And so, what does that mean? Spiritual things don't mean much. Spiritual things are frivolous. Spiritual things are a waste of time. Spiritual things are things for other people, but not for me. Some Sundays after the sermon, you know, some of you will go home, and, and you don't have much to take home with you, and that's my fault. Maybe the only thing you're taking home is peanut butter in your teeth. But you're here, and I am so thankful you're here. Because you just being here, you waking up in the morning and making that decision, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to try to receive something from the Lord. That is, is showing spiritual life. It's just the opposite of what Paul is saying. You're showing spiritual life by being here. And I appreciate that so much of all of you. That's, that's effort, and I may God just bless you for doing what you're doing. So Paul is saying, you and I were once dead, but now we are alive. We are alive. 
And we have different degrees of what we know about God, different degrees of how far we've grown in our spiritual life, but we are alive. We have that spiritual life from the Lord. Paul goes on to say that when we were dead to God, there were three major influences in our lives. Now, maybe some of you can relate to this. I certainly can when I think about it. The first thing, one of the, one of the first major influence in the life of those throughout the world, but even us, before we knew Christ, you followed the ways of the world. In other words, that, even though you didn't make that conscious choice, because you were dead to the things of God, you just went along with the flow of how society was going and how the world was leading you. See, our world is composed of what? The culture which surrounds us. And take, for example, when I was in China, I, my, I went to China for my girls, to, to, to pick up my girls who I adopted from there. I remember when I was in China, I went into a store and I saw something and it was very, very, very reasonably priced. And so I, I, I picked it up, and I took it to the lady, and I paid the amount. After she put it in the bag, and I'm walking away, I stopped before going out the door, and she didn't know that. And she's talking to another person and saying, look at that, that guy was such a dumb guy, such a dumb tourist. He didn't try to bargain me down. You know what I thought about? It? I said, yeah, that's not part of my culture. I didn't even know that that was something I, I should have done. But I thought it was so reasonable a price, I didn't think I needed to. But anyway, that's how culture is. My culture before Christ, my world before Christ, was so different than my Christ-centered culture and world today. Take, for example, before knowing Christ, what did you do Sunday morning? Enjoy it? No, don't say that. You know, before I became a Christian, or when I was younger, let's say, let me go all the way back to when I was a kid. Every Sunday morning, my dad got up and made us pancakes. Every Sunday morning. And then after we ate our pancakes and whatever, then there's always the newspaper. Then after the newspaper and the pancakes and going on, then usually we decide, hey, let's go visit a relative. So we go jump in the car and go visit a relative. Then when dinner would come, you know what we did? We ate. That's it. No grace, no thanks or anything. We just sat down. We just ate. Okay? You know, Sunday is so different now. And, and, and that's that crossover into how life used to be without God and how life is today with God. And that's what Paul is trying to, to help the Ephesians understand. Understand. Another influence, a second major influence Paul talks about here is actually a person. That second major influence, he says, you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Satan, devil. Now, you, now you, when you say those, when I say those words, Satan and devil, some of you may say, you know, you may think, wow, this is kind of, Pokey, you know. You guys, you guys really believe in that stuff? You know, because Hollywood has really had a heyday with that. Hollywood's characterized Satan in so many crazy ways. They've just, just, uh, just done whatever, they, with, with no limitations. But I, I have to tell you that if you believe God is real and alive, 
you'd be very mistaken to believe Satan is not. The person of Satan is a person of influence. Very, very, very focused life purpose. And that focused life purpose is, is to bring us down, to, to tear down the life of the Christian, is to bring down this church and say, hey, let's, let's close the doors here. It has, he has a very focused purpose of, of basically pulling down your testimony, weakening your faith, and, and making us unusable in many ways to God. He has a hatred for God. He has an awareness of his moral failings. And he has supernatural powers. I'm pulling this off from the Bible. But because he is a created being, he's finite. He's not like God. He's finite. His days are going to end. It's limited. They will come to an end. The Bible describes him as murderous, as deceptive, and proud. And his end will come. Coming when Christ comes back. See, and the thing that's interesting, when we talk about Satan, I just had a conversation with a bunch of pastors about how Satan reveals himself in different cultures today. You know, the thing about Satan is that, that he's in the world, but, and a lot of people actually are influenced by Satan unknowingly. And in this country, I believe that's one of the ways that he works, unknowingly. You know, we're too sophisticated. We're, 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 too, we're, too, we're too 21st century to, to believe in all this Satan stuff. And I certainly believe, I, th- I believe he likes that. But you know, when you go to a third world, you see things that are pretty crazy, that are very evident and very wide open, uh, just, just, just signs of his presence and influence in people's lives. I've seen things that I know that it's just devil right out in the open. I had to deal with it in my churches in Brazil. Think about this. It's just a minor thing, but I think our youth group can appreciate this. I remember one of the girls in my youth group had this doll, and I just kind of looked at it, and I said, hey, that looks like her. And she goes, like that. And, what, and I dug into it, and so what, what these girls do, what, what some of them do, is that girl stole this girl's boyfriend. And so she went to a, what they call a macumbera, a, 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 a witch doctor. One of the, one of the, uh, one of the uh, teachings down there is uh, macumba, which is like voodoo from Africa. Okay? And so she would go to this macumbera, pay money, and take a picture or something that resembles that girl, and this macumbera would make a doll that would represent that girl. And then this girl, whose boyfriend is no longer with her, would do all kinds of things, stick it, light his hair on fire, do all these different things to try to bring cursing and and bad things on that girl. That's in a youth group. That's a church's youth group, man. I said, wow, what's going on here? So naturally, we talked about stuff. We talked about how... Her mother would do that. Her grandmother did that. Her great-grandmother did that. Is just, just part of their culture. And, you know, there are things that I see. I can't get into it now, but there are things that I, I, I had to deal with over there 
uh, because I not only dealt with my ministry, but the ministry of other missionaries. That You know, it is so blatant and open that Satan is a real person that has an agenda and is doing stuff to just really kind of goof up people and the church. But let's go on. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11 14. He said, Satan himself masquerades as the angel of light. See, during Paul's time, he referred, this, is, this, this, this verse in 2 Corinthians actually refers to people that were in the church, people who masquerade as Christians in the church. And they were just kind of turning the church, causing quarrels and divisions and hardships within the church. Little gossips here, little things here, things that were just disrupting the church and eventually led to possibly divisions and just people leaving and just a spirit of really dissension in the church. Paul, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5.8, he said, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, do you know what word grabs me in that verse? It's that word devour. That, that just is a kind of a terrifying word that, 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 that Satan wants to devour us. And see, the exhortation to be self-controlled leads, leads us to the very last influence that they talk about here. It says, you followed your cravings and desires. See, Paul says, all of us lived among them. We all did. We, we, we all were gratifying cravings and following desires and thoughts. Now, you may be saying, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm still doing that now. That's okay. You know, because we're in different degrees of, of moving away from that life. It's like that old story I heard years ago. There's this woman who had sinus problems. I've shared this with you over the years. This woman had sinus problems. Just oh, Her sinuses were always giving her problems all through her life. She was now in her, her I, think, I think she was in her late 30s. They, they finally did an x-ray on her, on, her, on her face, and in her sinus, they saw an object. And so the doctor went in there, and he found a tiddlywink. You guys know what a tiddlywink is? It's a plastic, little plastic disc like a button that you kind of go, you flip it around. That's a game, a little kid's game. Well, when she was a real young child, she stuffed a tiddlywink up her nose, and it got lodged up in her sinuses. And because she was a little kid, she never really, she never told her mom about it or anything. But because of that tiddlywink in her, in her sinuses, all from her, from that point forward, she always had these huge sinus problems. Well, the doctor took out the tiddlywink. Did she still have sinus problems? Sometimes. But because she took out the tiddlywink, the tendency for those problems wasn't there anymore. Sure, at times she had sinus problems, but it was, didn't have that overall tendency all the time. See, that's what Christianity is about, too. When you give your life to the Lord, when you ask the Holy Spirit, you know, God, Jesus Christ, be your Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit enters you, you no longer have that tendency to live that life contrary to God. That tendency is gone. You may stray at times. You may have these habits, that, that things that you do that you know God doesn't want you to do. 
but that tendency. In other words, you can step away from it. You choose to, God will give you the power to step away from it. So Paul goes on here. Where did I end up here? Following our gratifications. You know, let's think about that. See, we all do that. We all sometimes fall short and we, and we, and we, do, the, we do follow these, these, these desires and these things that we shouldn't do, okay? We shouldn't do it. But think about if you really showed no self-control at all. Think about if you showed no self-control at all. You know, some of you would be in jail. Some of you would be stuffing yourself with junk food all the time. Some of you would be alienated from your family and friends because the things you said and the things that you did. Some of you would be addicted to things around you, to anything that's, that, 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 that you just are slightly interested in or you gravitate toward. Some of you may be sleeping right now on Sunday morning. And some of you are sleeping right now in my pews. That's okay. I'd rather see you sleeping in my pews than sleeping in your bed. Right? Because God can still teach you something. Osmosis, I don't know. But however way. But anyway, one of the great things that the Bible teaches when we talk about battling the things that once we used to live, it's self-control. And, and ask God to build you up in that self-control. See, Paul understood this. He knew it was a battle. Even for Paul. Paul cried out. He said these words. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? Man, inside, you got in your head, in your desires, in the things you, 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 you just crave and you say you want to go after something or whatever, and you know you shouldn't, and, and, and it's that inner warfare. But when you, want, when you watch Paul's life, read about Paul's life and think about it, God is always there. And if when you choose, and even though you are pulled this way, if you say, God, help me to go this way, he'll help you. I guarantee he will. But you've got to start with your will. It's got to start with your will. And then the more you do it, I'll guarantee the farther you get from that. The farther you get from that. And there may be times when you go like this, but the farther you're going to get from it. Okay? And that's the Christian life. We get farther away from that old life because we don't have that tendency to do it anymore. We're free to really go the other way. Paul goes on. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Chapter 2, 4 and 5. Paul wrote, But because of his great love for us, here's that word again, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Remember, he said we were dead once. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. You know, we look at, Paul wrote, God who is rich in mercy. You know, God isn't like us. When we hear about someone in need, when we even see people on the street in need, a lot of times, some, sometimes our minds are pretty callous. We're pretty cold. We can question, well, well, maybe the person deserves it. 
or, or why don't you get a job? Or, 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 or why don't you just get cleaned up and get, get, get your life going? You know, we, we, we in our callous, critical minds, we think these things. See, God is rich in not giving us, treating us as we deserve. That's what Paul is saying. He is rich in mercy. But then he goes on and saying, but by grace you have been saved. That's different. See, see, how are we saved? We're not saved by faith, even though faith is a big part of our salvation, of us coming to believe in Christ. We're not, we're not saved by even mercy. Yeah, God is merciful to us, but that isn't what, how we are really saved. The real heart of our salvation is grace. What does that mean? It's undeserved, unmerited favor of God. There is no way in the world God should be on your side. There's no way in the world that you deserve Jesus to be hanging on the cross for you. That is grace. You don't deserve it, but you got it. It's that free gift that you don't deserve. And because we are saved and Christ is in us, all this talk about Satan the Bible says, when we resist the devil, what? He will flee. He will flee. When we call upon the Lord, he will answer. When all seems lost, God is at our side. See, that's, that's the new life we have in Christ. So when it comes to the frivolous, there is nothing frivolous about what God has done in you and for you. And that's the reason we open our doors Sunday morning. It really is. That's the reason we open our doors Sunday mornings, because there are people who don't understand that. They don't know it. It may be frivolous to the world of what we're talking about and the things we're learning, but it makes every Sunday special. Forget the Super Bowl. Every Sunday special here. Right? I really didn't mean forget the Super Bowl. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, as we, we read Paul's words, it really speaks to our heart. It speaks to our mind. For Paul, here's this guy who used to persecute Christians, and here he is became the, really the, the, the world changer for you. Father, we, we want to live that new life that Christ gives us. We want to live that new life. Help us, Father, take steps to living more and more that life that you call in your word abundant. Thank you in Jesus' name.